hey, it's Mark here. Before we begin today's episode, I wanted to let you know that I had the pleasure of being interviewed on the Venture Life podcast hosted by Riley McGee, our very own king of the ops here at The Unconventionalist. And I wanted to share with you a sneak preview of a conversation because I wanted to support Riley's epic efforts to get this podcast out in a really tight deadline. That was my challenge. And my promise was I would promote his podcast on the show to show him my love and my appreciation for all that he's doing at The Unconventionalist. So here's a little sneak preview. You know, it's funny. It's the first time I kind of reflect back on this and I realized that I quit three. I've never got fired from a job. I've quit three jobs, which really on the outside sound a bit crazy. You know, the first job, it sounds like a dream job. You live abroad for four to six months in exotic or sometimes not exotic countries with super smart people. You hobnob with the movers and shakers of the world. You meet the business executives, politicians, all this stuff. You get everything paid for, you know, luxury accommodation. You get a driver, you get a chef, all expenses paid. You get pocket, you know. And I was deeply, <laughs> deeply miserable, deeply unfulfilled. And I quit that. And that felt scary and crazy because it was everything I knew. And my identity, again, was so pegged to what I did, right? It was so like, oh, what do you do? I, I'm, I'm, I'm a commercial journalist. I live in Kazakhstan. You know, and people are like, what? You know, I was 24. I was director of a team. If you'd like to hear the rest of the episode, make sure to go to theventurelife.com and check out episode number two. Now back to our regular program. Hi, and welcome to the Unconventionalist Podcast. I'm your host, Mark Roost, and this is the show about what it's really like to turn your message into a movement. I wanted to kick off today's episode, actually, by saying a big thank you for all the support over on social media, especially on Instagram. I, I can't tell you how much of a smile it puts on my face every time I read what you thought about the show and, and how it's making a difference in your life. So, so please continue to do that. Take a screenshot of this episode and just tag me in your stories and it means the world to me. So thank you. And if you're new here, welcome. I hope you'll enjoy what you hear. It's, it's a pretty cool podcast, at least if I may say so. <laughs> and if you do enjoy uh, what you hear, but then please go over and subscribe in whatever platform you're using on iTunes. And, and what would mean a lot and what would help a lot is if you went over on iTunes and left a rating and review it helped because it actually helps to spread the word because the, the show becomes more visible, more people know about the show. And I think that's one of the best ways that we can change the world in our own little way. So I appreciate you. Thank you for doing that. And oh, and if you're one of those kind of wants to go the extra mile kind of win bo- bonus cookie points kind of person, then share this episode with a friend as it's honestly the best form of compliment you can give me. So thank you. I also want to let you know that I'll be opening up the doors to apply to join my flagship Impact Accelerator very shortly. And I'm very excited about that. It's one of my favorite things I do is I get to personally coach and mentor a group of purpose-driven change makers on a mission to turn their message into a movement. That's right. I want to help you find your voice, own your story, and broadcast your message with confidence so you can have the impact you want. So if you want to have early access to apply when the doors open and snatch those early tickets, then make sure to go to www.markruz.com forward slash newsletter. And in case you missed the previous episode, just a quick reminder before I introduce you to today's guest that Lewis Howes, the host of the School of Greatness podcast and New York Times bestselling author, is coming to London to deliver a masterclass on the 27th of March, 2019, where he'll distill all the learning that he's had from his hundreds of amazing guests. The links to the tickets are available. They're in the show notes, so you can go and click that 
right now. And if you use the discount code UNCONVENTIONAL, all in caps, you get 10% off your ticket for being part of our community. How cool is that? So I hope to, I hope to see you there. Now, if you've been listening to the show for a while, then you know that I love a good story. In fact, it's why I started The Unconventionalists back in 2015 to broadcast meaningful conversations that change people's lives. And today's episode is the extraordinary story of how Simon McCann ditched a career as a six-figure banker to become a high-end private chef, caterer for Hampstead Crowd, and in the process became a champion for charitable causes. That's right, today's guest is Simon McCann, founder of the Hampstead Kitchen, who after meeting one of the world's most foremost business magnets, as you'll hear in today's episode, she was called forth to ditch her risk prevention spreadsheets for Middle Eastern-inspired plate spreads. And as you'll hear in today's powerful conversation, you really could not have invented Simon's story. Like, you're going to be blown away by what happened when she got invited to a house to cater for a fundraiser. Mind-blowing. But what really stood out for me in this conversation was the importance of having the courage to commit to your target audience, to not be afraid of honoring your niche and to learn to say no to business opportunities, especially if they don't feel right, because actually, even though you're losing on a financial income, it's going to cost you a business on the long run. And this was such a beautiful reminder that actually, by really zoning into a specific group of people who you really want to serve and who you know you can serve and who you can connect with, then your business will thrive. What a beautiful reminder. Now, plug in your headphones or your earphones and get ready to be inspired by the one and only Simon Cat. Simon, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. It's <laughs> awkward, isn't it? There's like all these camera angles. No, it's, it's, it's not awkward. I mean, it's taken us long enough to yeah. meet. Thank you so much for, for being My patient with, uh, with this calendar and the schedule because it's just been like this horrific back and forth. But thank you for coming here. Generally. My pleasure. You're a busy man too. So. Oh, well, I mean, you know, when I hear when we were just catching up before we started recording, I'm like, I'm not busy at all. I keep on complaining. Well, you look busy. That's yeah. the power of it. Yeah, yeah. You look busy. <laughs> I'm so busy. Like, I'm so hustling. It's like amazing. No, but I'm really excited to get on the show because I think you've got, first of all, like a terrific story. I think there's so much richness that we can unpack around that. And I think there's a really cool angle as well around your your clarity around who you serve and, and who you don't and, and learning the power of saying no. Um, but one of the greatest things that people enjoy the most about this show is like the origin story. You know, like superheroes, like they have like Wonder Woman and Batman and they all have like these these background stories, like these origin stories. Um, and once upon a time, you you worked in a bank. Yeah, my yeah. background story is quite wacky. I mean, yeah. I couldn't even create the story and make this up sure. so surreal. So uh, my background is I've always been in banking and finance and... Um, you know, happily working the ridiculous hours, 16 hours. I'm in New York. I think I've got, the, you know, the amazing lifestyle. Um, making too much money, don't have time to spend it, yeah. that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. And, um, yeah, just basically I was working on Wall Street for a very well-known um, uh, conglomerate, mm -hmm. Berkshire Hathaway. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I was in Omaha for a meeting, and um, so I just so yeah, so just before because that I, lo I love that story about the meeting, <laughs> but before that, so you're you're <coughs> basically traveling. So you're spending some time in New York. You're spending some time in London and Omaha. Yeah. And Omaha, yeah, yeah, that's right. And so you're traveling a bit, and and just really curious because I haven't really heard this. What got you into banking in the first place? Like, what was it about banking that you kind well, of? Well, I'm a daughter of uh, immigrant parents, yeah. and um, the parents that came in the seventy education and succeeding really well was really important. Yeah, I think if it was left to my 
my mother, she would have wanted me to get married really early. <laughs> she got married yeah. early, which is it's just, it's yeah, a common yeah. thing in our culture. I kind of just uh, loved to work abroad so that I could escape the whole marriage sure. thing, to be honest. Um, but I was quite career div- driven. Mm. I was always being quite independent. Yeah. So I wanted to have son of my own two feet i didn't want to be a daddy's or a daddy's girl or a princess i want i loved working hard mm-hmm. um but i also the majority of my money has been spent on not accumulating a profit uh, you know property portfolio sure. but food and travel yeah so that's experiences why yeah yeah i mean i've spent some ridiculous money on <laughs> the most amazing <laughs> trips and to be honest they have th- those are the things that really yeah, have that joined my life and they creating good memories yeah. so yeah it's been great 100% because one yeah. of the things that I, I kind of <coughs> read somewhere is that you weren't one of those classic oh I hated my job and I hate you actually loved what you were doing like you were enjoying it of course and I think I've always re- read those stories and the thing is never burn your bridges I'm still in touch with most of my bosses yeah in fact, I got an email the other day through LinkedIn yeah. from my old boss who bought, who sent me some beautiful Japanese bowls. And he goes, I always knew you would go into food. Like, how did you know? Wow. He goes, the way you describe food, the way yeah. you're open to food. And yeah. he goes, I'm not surprised. Yeah. So um, I think, and people read, people have read all my articles. Sure. So if I had said anything really untowards, you're burning your bridges. Yeah. And you never know. I mean, yeah. I'm now actually... Um, on a on a mini board of mm. a bank i've been offered a part-time role to mm-hmm. um just sit and do read some papers mm-hmm. on some risk stuff mm. and so <laughs> they love the fact because i missed that do you missed it i was about to ask you do you miss, I, I do you miss yeah i don't miss the hours that mm. it consumes but i do miss it and it's as i still uh, wake up in the morning and the first thing i'll do is go into cnbc and really I, wrote, I, I love i want to know what's happening in the market so what kind of banking because i am so <coughs> illiterate when it comes down to banking and finance but is this what investment banking is is investment or? banking but i mean I, I qualified as an accountant okay. so basically it was the you know the financial control management control then i got into risk and front office projects and yeah. then obviously post 2008 yeah it was all about risk projects right um so then i was very i was very much in demand sure. and i was just freelancing and working as a consultant um and yeah that's kind of uh, my yeah. route but it, everything's happened organically yeah. i've just always been open but my main thing is i want to wake up with a purpose um and yes it has been hard you mm. know you banking jobs are hard every job is hard sure. even the job that i'm doing now is sure. hard but there's always good there's always an element that you love about it and an element that you detest about it <laughs> and this one the banking thing was i was far away from my family and i was also um you know there's so much time that goes botched up into just sitting on the desk mm. that's it 14 16 hours and then you come home you're tired and there's not much time to do anything else mm-hmm. just think and process about what your life is about what you want to do mm. it's just bang 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 Boom. bang bang yeah. That's the bad side of it. But and but one day you're you're at the airport. I mean, this is the this is the uh, the story, like the kind of like the pinnacle moment. If you look at the Joseph Campbell's hero's journey, and you, <laughs> you come across someone and you recognise their face. So I see Warren Buffett. Yeah. So uh, ultimately, he's my boss's boss's boss. Yeah. And I'm like, oh my god, should I go and talk to him? And people who know me well, I've always met lots of famous people because I have the guts to go and talk to them. Say hi. Well, you know. Says the hi, Warren. I work in your organization. I honestly look like a stupid six year old school <laughs> girl. And he said, um, So, where do you work? And I said, I work within your risk department and I actually create the status report that goes into the board papers. He said, 
oh, your name must be Saima. I'm like, no way. Because, <laughs> because your name is, you know, because it's compiled by me and it has my name. And yeah. he said, I actually like your report because it's very clear. I know exactly what's happening, what the issues are. It's very concise. Cool. And I thought, wow, he's registered me in his brain. I'm <laughs> just like, I was so like ecstatic. Yeah. Then we started talking about... Um, Food, love, relationships. What am I doing here? Because your personality is so not the kind of personality you should have yeah. in this banking finance. Did he ask you a question about like when was the last time you were excited? Was, was that yes? A, a, yeah. So then we just started talking about food, and he said when, and I said, oh well, um, a couple of months ago I had to do uh, this uh, impromptu dinner party for this lady, and I had to pretend I was a chef, and <laughs> everybody thought I was a chef, and now I have to go and cook in the summer. And he goes, no way. And then my eyes just lit up. He goes, have you ever s thought about going into business? And I said, no, I've got to do this. And he said, my dear, you are not, you're not um, living, you're surviving. Mm. That's not, you know, you're not, you know, you, you're just working way too hard. And why don't you consider doing a business? I'm like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> uh, anyway, his, he was on going on his little private plane sure. and he was going off somewhere. And he said, uh, I said, oh, you should come out for dinner one day. You know, we thought he loves steak. Yeah. Um, and so I said, yeah, in New York, when I miss home, I have my little spice bark and I'm always making, you know, curry and, sure. and you know, dal. And he said, oh, well, that sounds really lovely. I said, you should, you should come over. <laughs> yeah, like day. everyone does, like casually, like, oh, you should come over. Come for dinner. Because I am that kind of yeah. person. I say, yeah, come over. But and you meant it. I did mean yeah. it, actually. Yeah. Went, but we didn't think you'd take me up on the offer. Sure. So we said goodbye. And I came home and told my mum and dad I was so excited. But I didn't really tell anybody at work. I thought no one was going to believe me. Yeah. Um, and and Simon, sorry to interrupt just for a second because I just want to. I, I always love unpacking little yeah. bits, right? So, I mean, I know, and I've heard you kind of say this, and but the fact that he would actually tell you, you're not living, you know, you're surviving, you should go and do this. I mean, you're effectively working in his organization. Yeah. I mean, that is pretty. That is pretty yeah. amazing for for Rita to go yeah. look at one of their people and say, you should, you need to go and do this, or you yeah. should look into this. Yeah. When you're meant to be like working for the organization, right? But if you've read about, I've read quite a few of his books. Yeah. And if you've read any articles about him, he is, I don't know, he's just an incredible, I mean, he's one of my mentors yeah. now, so I'm, I, mean, I am quite biased, but actually <laughs> he's very, he's very, he will say one sentence and you will go over and over that sentence because it holds so much weight. Mm. And if you look at these days, people can just waffle on and on and on and they have no point. Mm. Um, he's able to see something in you that you can't even see in yourself. Mm. Like, and he's like, he's looking at you. And your soul. And he's go, he goes deep. Literally. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, you know, you're saying one thing. You're in a, you, I, I, can, I can tell you enjoy your job, but I can tell that you would love enjoy this. Better, this. Yeah. Why don't you, why don't you even think about doing it? Yeah. So the, the seed's planted almost. Yeah. And from someone who's, who's guessed like a, a, a figure who's also inspiring and, and, you know, cool. And so then, then you, you go about your business, you go about your days, you forget about this kind of, oh, you should come in for dinner. And then what happens? And then two weeks later, I get this call from his PA saying, um, Warren and Astrid, his wife, would love to come for dinner. And I'm thinking, I've only told one other person this. And so they're not the type of person to make a joke. And I said, is this for real? Because yeah, this is real. And what day would suit you? So then I looked at my calendar and I thought I had a half day coming up. I thought that day, oh, that's perfect. He, he will be in town, you know. So that was yeah. it. I called my dad. Warren Buffett's coming to the house. And <laughs> the mom goes, who's Warren Buffett? I went, here's the link. Google. And she, and she was like, oh my God, we're going to make for him. And whatever. And she's stressing about the yeah. dinner, you know. Yeah. Should I fly over and help you make the dinner? I'm like, oh my you know, gosh. chill, mom. 
Um, um, and so I thought, <laughs> yeah, so I thought, what should I do? And so I, I mean, I've been collecting ceramics since yeah. whenever. Um, and um, so when I'm, I, I thought I'm going to make a really lovely Pakistani meal, mm-hmm. I'm going to have like a Pakistani fabric, I'm going to mm-hmm. have music, I'm going to have mango lassi and yeah. You know all these things. So I were you stressing out about what dish to make, or no, were you food, very the food part? I wasn't stressed about okay. at all. Okay. Um, but it was just the tension. Oh my god, I've got these people coming in my house. Oh my god, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? Um, and so eventually the day comes, yeah. and I get a call uh, from the PA saying they Warren has two extra guests yeah. in in uh, in town, and they've been to India and Pakistan. They love Indian, you know, this uh, South Asian yeah. food. Could they come along? I'm like, I'm not going to say no. Sure. <laughs> I said, I've made enough food for ten people. Sure, you know, come along. <laughs> so where I was where I was living, um, I lived on a floor where our doors were permanently open. There okay. Four other guys, and so guys, you can't come in for dinner. I've got guests coming in. Yeah. And they were so used to me always, bring, you know, calling them over. Why sure. can't we come today? I said, I can't, I can't, t- yeah. you know, um, you know, tell you who's coming. He was like, what the hell? Tell us what's yeah. going on. I said, well, you'll, you'll see at seven o'clock with the guests. So they're all peering outside. She goes, oh, my gosh, shut the front <laughs> door. What the hell's going on? I'm like, long story. Because I'm popping over to your house to ask for sugar. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, I said, he goes, it's a really long story because I want to know the story. There's no time. Anyway, so I didn't know. I who was coming? Who yeah, was coming. Yeah. So I opened the door and I see Bill and Melinda Gates. And I was like, holy. <laughs> <laughs> My heart just went. And I was like, this is just surreal. This is like. Yeah, I, I can't. I can't even process it. Sure. And he goes, "Hi, I'm Bill," and I'm like, "Of course I know who you are." <laughs> Bill, did you say? Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Just very, yeah. very humble. They came yeah. in, and I had a. I've got a. Ti- I had a tiny apartment there, and so, um, sat down, gave them these little. I said, "Look, I'm, I don't serve alcohol in my house. Sure. I hope you don't mind." No, no, not a problem. And then I just served these mango lassi kind of shots, yeah. and then I was in the kitchen making chapatis, and they were coming in, and then. <laughs> Bill would say, could I have some macan with my roti? And I'm like, macan? <laughs> oh, macan, meaning butter. <laughs> and so they're eating with their hands. And that's when um, yeah. we started talking about food. Mm-hmm. Everybody loves food. We're all foodies. Mm. But food and how it brings people together. They taught me a bit about their organization. Mm-hmm. And obviously, you know that Warren had given this biggest philanthropy donation mm-hmm. of 36 billion that had already taken place so mm-hmm. we talked a bit about that i talked about my dad's village um you know there's a we have a school there and we're quite passionate about mm. it and i'm just you know my father left when he was 15 mm. um so my brother and i and quite a few of our friends we want put a um, raise funds mm-hmm to uh give something back to the village sure. we took something away yeah, from yeah. they wanted to give something back <laughs> so Education was very key, but obviously health. And then they said, oh, we have a fundraiser in two weeks' time, and we're getting it, getting it catered, but I'm just thinking, um, it's for a South Asian charity. Would, could you make exactly the same food, exactly the same yeah. way? I said, I've got all the plates. He goes, sure. how many people? About 20 people. We fly you over. And then Warren said, okay, I can give you Thursday, Friday off, and then the dinner's <laughs> on Saturday. I'm like, sure. <laughs> so I'm like, this is just now snowballing yeah. so big, and some of our biggest donors are going to be yeah. there. So wait a second, just just a sec. Again, um, at what point during that time did you start settling into the normality of no. the conversation? Where you started I going? Had no time to process. Yeah. I, because 
even now, I mean, I cook for a lot of royalty, mm. celebs and whatever. And so what happens is your brain switches off and you have to process that later. Yeah. And then you focus on right now on the task. Yeah. And okay, I'm, I was in project management, so it's almost like, right, we're doing dessert and we're doing this and whatever. So I go into that sure. mode. I even do it at home with my parents. Yeah. So, you know, I'm more engrossed in serving the food, yeah. which is why I think I, I created Hamster Kitchen. Sure. I'm great at it because I know how to uh, yeah. sort things out. But, but were, you, were you surprised of the reaction of when you serve the food, which I'm, I'm guessing that you're used to making or you love, and suddenly you share this food and they start loving it? Were you like, was anything? I, w I wasn't surprised because, th you know, they're quite humble people, both yeah. of them. I already knew that about them from what I had read. Sure. Um, but it they were so warm and they really, I loved how they connected to the food and how they were eating mm. with their hands, the whole breaking bread and yeah. the whole, you know, sharing, sharing yeah. and, um, you know, sharing has been become quite contrived in certain restaurants and stuff and that, but that was really a sharing thing. Like this is such a lovely, even if it's a one-off thing, I never see them again. This is such a beautiful memory I'm going to have. Mm. And that's what I was thinking in the former part of the evening. I didn't mm. think it would go to this point. And, um, you know, they said, that, can you fly over and come and cook in our house? I'm like, sure, no problem. <laughs> and I'm, I'm, I grew up in a house where my mother cooked for 50 people within hour, in one yeah. hour. So and you used to help in the kitchen like when no. you were a kid? So when so my mother never taught. I What's wasn't those typical. You know, like Bendelite Beckham, where the the girl, the mother's teaching her the daughter how to cook curry. <laughs> that did not happen in my house. So where no, did you no, pick no. up? Like, where did you start picking up cooking and enjoying cooking? I mean, what's your earliest memory of that? Um, the first thing I remember cooking was uh, uh, lasagna al forno from Delia Smith's book. Okay. From I think it was it was my first cookbook that my wow. dad or my mum gave me. I just saw my mother slaving away and cooking yeah. for big functions. Yeah. Um, I loved her. She would leave the kitchen in a complete utter chaos. <laughs> and my dad would make one <laughs> salad lovingly and putting in a nice bowl. And then he would go into the dinner party, look at this salad I made. And my mother would get really angry <laughs> <laughs> when she'd made 12 dishes. Yeah. <laughs> so my dad was all about presentation. Yeah. My mother yeah. was about quantity and getting the job done. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I think I've learned a bit <laughs> yeah. of both. Yeah, Subconsciously, yeah. you pick it up. Sure. But she, when she asked me, so how many people you're cooking for today she says i don't know how where you've learned this and how are you doing this she's yeah. so surprised wow. with this whole business so it's amazing isn't it how we just acquire information without even realizing it subconsciously how we just kind of observe i mean see now with my daughter's about 18 months right yeah. she does the same stuff as us like she'll like she'll put the shoes on or she'll do some stuff that we're like how do you oh she must have seen us do that you know? I mean, I see that with my nephew and niece in particular. I love how, you know, they're, they're such different characters. But, you know, we are, uh, as adults, we are giving, you know, both positive and negative, um, sure. you know, sort of messages sure. to the people 100%. around us. Um, so, yeah, anyway, this is how I picked up yeah, food yeah. and I was never taught. Cool. She wasn't the kind of mum who was going to teach me how to cook. No. She could never get hold of it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. So you go from like your first lasagna that you, you managed yeah. to cook and then suddenly you're now being invited, flown over to go and cook for these yeah. guests. But it actually in the middle of that was because I never, I didn't, I didn't drink alcohol. Yeah. Um, never did it socially. Um, so my way of getting people together was food. Mm. I loved the bringing together. So the part that I loved um, seeing my mum and dad do was to set the table mm. and people lingering over the table for four or five hours. But I, I, I love, love that. I love you saying that because in France, we have a very similar culture. Yeah. It's like there's a big culture around food. You sit yeah. down for two to three hours for yeah. meals. And when I came over to England, it was really surprising for me to see people eating sandwiches at their desks, you know, or like, or, or, or not really making a thing about 
coming together over food. Yeah. So I think there's such a power, and I want to unpack that a little bit later on in the conversation because I think there's such a powerful topic around food as as a way of connecting. Yeah. Yeah. So, so especially sorry. if I'm not serving alcohol, so I want to yeah. make people drunk with my food. So <laughs> they come in. There's like there's a Persian theme. There's yeah. Persian music. Yeah. There's um, Persian cocktails and details. You know, yeah. and it's like unfolding. Mm-hmm. You know, and then pe- it becomes a memorable thing. Mm. Um, so that's kind of was my thing. And wherever I'd go, and I would never. Don't like shopping for clothes. Yeah. I love shopping for bowls. It's my yeah. Achilles heel. <laughs> How <coughs> many bowls do you have? I haven't counted. I'd rather not count. This <laughs> Saturday, I was out with my friend and he was like, we went into a store. He goes, oh, it's dangerous. I said, hold me back. Hold me back. <laughs> and I came out with tons and tons of bags. And I'm like, it's all for the business. And he goes, uh-huh. <laughs> that cheeky one. I have more bowls and platters than yeah. anything else. Sure. They just, I don't know. They just... They look cool. That and roses and rose petals. And but they bring me joy. They do. Yeah. They do. So, and it makes, it makes something so ordinary, extraordinary. Sure. Presentation is key. Yeah. 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 Cool. So you're, you're being flown out. So you go over to this event. I gave this event. So I go, I, I source the local grocery store. I start prepping in the kitchen and it's a really lovely house and I set the table and then I do a bit of storytelling. I'd say it's breaking bread. And I say, so I understand the charity. I said, okay, so people in the village would make lentils because lentils go a long way. They'd really have chicken. They'd Mm. really have lamb. Mm. Um, So rice or some sort of grain. Mm -hmm. So I said, I I try to connect the dishes and said, okay, um, this is what a person would eat in the village Mm. on a good day. Mm -hmm. Chicken, probably people can't afford to have chicken or lamb and um, then I tried to put some storytelling around it mm. and said um, you know but and there was only one fork there was no knife and so everything I'm going to try for you to connect you know with the sight with the smells and also touching and and part and the rules are you can't start eating until your neighbors <laughs> have got all the food so and I don't like serving food on white plates sure. so um, a bit racist like that. Plates. <laughs> <laughs> Poor plates. <laughs> Poor plates. They've got to be blue. They've got to be black. <laughs> they've got to be purple. Sure. But they can't be white. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. it's like because I'm trying to make a point because when when these sort of clientele go for fundraisers, it's mm. all white it's with five cutlery. Five. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was making point one fork, one sort of bright turquoise mm. blue plate. And so people already started thinking this visually looks really different. Mm. But wait a second, because I've heard I don't I don't know, I've heard this I heard you talk about this because you're in the kitchen. Yeah. You're preparing the food. Yeah. The guests have arrived, and so have have you peeked in? Right no, there. I haven't. So okay. I've set the table. So this is uh, this is the menu. People have decided to arrive. There's a lot of security, but I thought my kids, me for Bill and yeah, Melinda, yeah. and then when the time comes, like um, I get asked, can the guests come and see, be seated? I'm sure. Uh, I didn't see the name cards go up. Oh, they had like name they, tags yeah. on the... Okay, so yeah. I was only there to set the table. Sure. And then somebody else was putting the name card. So when I walked in and then I saw who was there <laughs> and I went, <laughs> why is this happening? <laughs> I saw the Obamas, the yeah. Clinton, Bernie Saunders, yeah. Charles Koch yeah. from Koch Industries. I yeah. saw Mark Cheryl Zuckerberg, San- Mark Zuckerberg yeah. and Cheryl Sandberg. And there were some other sort of key donors. And I was like, hi. <laughs> <laughs> and I was just sweating. I was just sweating. <laughs> you know, I was just wearing like a stripy d- sort of t-shirt with like a yeah. uh, like a stripy and you know, the butcher's yeah. kind of yeah, yeah, apron. Yeah. I said, hi, I'm Saima. I work for Warren's organization. They came up to my house for dinner a couple of weeks ago and they just wanted me to cook. And, and this menu is um, 
it's called, you know, breaking bread and these are the rules. You yeah. can't start eating. And so you're telling these people who probably eat in the most lovely places. Sure. But just, you, you know, please just share. Um, and, you know, if, it, if I wanted th- this to be more authentic, you'd be sitting on the fo- floor. Sure. But I'm sure that some of you can't be yeah, cross-legged. Yeah. yeah. So already you could see people were engaged and then I was coming in with all the fresh chapatis sure. and it was rice and stuff and I was going and serving it around. This is amazing. This is really good. Oh my God, you know what? This is whatever. Yeah. Then I just left them to it. Then I was called in. Yeah. And then they asked me what region I was from and yeah. why I was making this food and yeah. said, love the storytelling and they had raised, I think there was more than a billion that was yeah. raised yeah, that yeah. afternoon, yeah. I was told. So then I had made these um, lovely dessert and I'd never made it in my life ever before, which yeah. was just a rice pudding, but okay. a ground rice pudding. And I put lots of sort of um, rose petals okay. and pomegranates and yeah. pistachios. And I was just texting it to my mum. <laughs> my mother was like, I said, I can't even tell you because I can't even tell you who's here. I'll tell you later. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so um, anyway, mum said, can you take some pictures? And I can't go and take pictures. Yeah. I can't. Yeah. Selfies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> no, no, exactly. <laughs> so then anyway, I went around and I was yeah. introduced and and uh, they said, oh, my God, you'd have to come and cook for us in the White House. And I was like, you know, and then Mark Zuckerberg saying, like, you know, let us know if you want to have um, set up a business and we can help you on Facebook and, you know, rah, rah, rah. And I was like, OK, everyone's sort of giving me their cards. And I was. But again, is this not a surreal? Mo- like, I know, I know you say how you, you go, you're going to admit. To, OK, you're yeah. too busy dealing with it. And then when I when I went in the kitchen, I was like, my heart was beating so fast. Like, what the hell just mm. happened? Did that even happen? Yes, it did happen. And then you're just asking this yeah. question. And then you're thinking, okay, that's such a blessing to be exposed to that sure. kind of people. And in the end, they understood the food. They understood mm. the simplicity of the food. And that's the thing I really enjoyed. Mm. People said, this was amazing. And, you know, I talked about the fabric. It's from the Sindh region in Pakistan. Then I bought, this is a Persian dish. And actually all origins of these dishes go down to, per- you know, mm. uh, relate to Iran, Persia. But there's, a, there's, a, you know, I know there's words b- being thrown around yeah. a lot these days, but it sounds like as you're describing it, it's like it's like it's like almost like an authentic experience, you know, like this kind of this kind of almost sensi- like sensorial. I don't know what the word is yeah. of all the different senses being kind of triggered and and exposed and 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 uh, activated. And it was on purpose because I was thinking this is what they're used to. So if I visually do sure. something completely different, right you know they're going to pay attention because you know what you when you see the same thing every time you switch off to it i know right so basically when you see something colorful there's chipped bowls with the um, cucumber yogurt mm. and you know you're presenting you know with such confidence blues and reds mm. and whatever um that that's quite you know wow this is very different yeah. this is not white this is not yeah. gold plated yeah. so you've already got their attention got it then you've told the story it's not pretentious like I, I want to use the word like it's not pretentious you know, you know what i mean like i've been invited to a bunch of kind of these kind of events and it can very quickly feel very stuffy very kind of stiff and very you know kind of oh okay I, i'm gonna proper i'm gonna sit like this and hold this and there's 16 different forks and which one do i use for what you know so confusing right yeah so i'm sure i can only imagine how refreshing it must have been for for people who are used to that kind of treatment and also from people going, oh, that's what they need, to suddenly going, if you were in my home, this is what I would give you. Yeah. If we sat down exactly and you invited over to my home, I would give you this. So that, yeah. that later, that p- 
point became a unique selling yeah. point, USP. 100%. You know? um, and it, everything, like someone said, oh, did you have someone doing your branding? And I thought, no, it just happened organically. Yeah. You know, I met him in the waiting room. Then he came to my house yeah. and I did this. Then, um, But at this point, are you going, No, I'm going to pack the job and do no, this? No, not at all. No. This is just like a one-off experience. Yeah. What then, they call now side hustle. Yeah, side hustle. <laughs> like, okay. Side hustle with Warren Buffett and friends. This is yeah. a cool story. Yeah. And I'm like, but at what point should I get a picture? No, it's inappropriate because <laughs> it will spoil the authenticity sure. of it all. So that's what I, I, I struggled with. I'm like, how can I even tell this story? No one's going to believe me. People want pictures and I, I can't take a picture here. Yeah. But everybody left and then it was just a couple of people. And then I got invited to sit down and he goes, oh my God, people went nuts. This was such a lovely experience. Thank you so much. And I said, look, no, I want to, I can't donate some money, but I'm mm. donating my time. And they sure. said, no, no, we'd like to pay for this. Please don't. It was an absolute pleasure. Mm. And he said, okay, we'll have to take you out for dinner. I said, sure, I, that's fine. Um, and he goes like, when I'm in New York, I'll let you know. And then when they were in New York, they said, do you know what? Research this and see if you can do a business because you've got something. Mm. And this is like Warren and Bill saying this to me and I'm <laughs> saying, okay, he goes, no, you know, it's not about matching this, the salary. It's about yeah. where this journey could take yeah. take you, you know, tap into your creative side. And, um, you know, I got paid one year sabbatical mm. to go and research this. Yeah. And when I researched this, I realized that in London, there's a lot of stuffy caterers. Mm -hmm. You know, some have been in the business for donkeys of years, mm -hmm. but it's the same title thing. Mm -hmm. Um, then we have people like Ottolenghi who've paved the way mm. for Middle East. Because you inspired, food. right? I mean, I yeah. read somewhere that you were kind of inspired um, by. Yeah, I mean, they are inspiring, but I don't think that was my yeah. motto. I think London was ready for it. I mean, it's that's a deli, so sure. they're great. And I also know that they do catering. They used mm. to do catering. Um, but you, what you have to do is um, you look around what, what's around, how you can... Um, <laughs> how you can do something a little bit different. Mm. Look, the, the the market is saturated. There's a dime a dozen people doing um, delis and cafes and catering and floristry. Mm. But actually, um, it's the people running it that make a difference. If we even talk about the people who've introduced us, mm. Hayat and Sonia, yeah, yeah. there's a dime a dozen cafes in Hampstead. Yeah. Why do people speak so fondly of yeah. them? Because of these two sure. ex extraordinary women. Yeah, yeah. So it's the people that make the business. That's true. You know, 100%. so I think that was kind of lost, but you know, yeah. our DNA is so unique. Yeah, hundred percent. And um, and the story, I think, I think what I love about your 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 business, I guess, and your brand, it's like the story that's weaved into it, and how you've you've ran with the concept of storytelling. You know, when I hear you talk about today about, I mean, at least from the la latest interviews I was reading and listening to, it was on how you still make a point to tell the story of the dishes and story, telling the story and setting up the context that people can really feel and experience it. Um, yeah. That's important also the people behind the story. So there's been, the people have tried to do a lot of press on the people who work for me. Mm. Some are people who um, have come from really difficult backgrounds. Mm. Some are ex-homeless, mm. ex-asylum seeker, mm -hmm. ex-refugee. Mm -hmm. We have one person from Grenfell. Mm -hmm. We've got people from, got mental health issues. Mm -hmm. And obviously it makes for a great story. But you can't, these are people who mm. are really guarded, really shy. I don't, don't want mm. to sell out on the story. All the press that we've had has happened organically. Mm. So we haven't gone out chasing for it. I mean, I got that amazing Times article mm. by my friend Victoria, who I met in a cafe. And I thought, God, I know she's a journalist. I don't want to talk to her because I don't want her to think. To think that I'm talking to her because, so yeah, yeah. I'm a bit too <coughs> particular. I don't want people to think that. Because I think in London, 
people tend to make connections because they, there's an agenda or there's yeah. an opportunity. And I just want to say, hey, can I feed you first? You know, sure. like, let's just break bread. <laughs> <laughs> let's break bread before we talk about anything yeah. else. Yeah, and yeah. then if there's an organic um, collaboration that could happen, then great. If not, yeah. then fine. But I, I, I'm, because I'm very worried when people do it to me, so I don't sure. want to do it to other people. But she decided to write about me and I thought it was going to be a little thing and it ended up being a double spread wow. in times, yeah. you know, and then it was like, who's your PR agent? I'm like, nobody. I just, sure. then nobody would believe me. Yeah. And that's when I remember even the photographs, I was just like, didn't even think I wasn't, it just wasn't me. Sure. But I love that it connected the story to the Cook for Syria campaign. Because it's not about you. <coughs> that's I didn't want to make it yeah, about but it, me. But it's not, it's, yeah. it's, it is about you, but it's not for you. Does yeah. that make sense? Yeah. It's kind of like you're a vehicle. And that's what I keep on trying to tell people. It's like your story is it's a vehicle for something bigger. You know, like Cook for Syria, for example, that your recipe was in the feature in the book and that you do a lot for charity. And it's almost like the story in the service of. Does I'm just sense? a person that's in that process. Yeah. But if you look at, I think... I was very uh, particular about what, how I didn't want to be perceived, mm. you know? And I think if you read a lot of stories, it's about the person. Mm. The business kind of gets lost, and I didn't mm -hmm. want it to be about that. Neither did I want to go around saying, oh, my life is perfect or whatever, mm -hmm. because there's a lo lot of hustling that yeah. happens. Um, if you have to work really smart, and, you know, a lot of businesses fail within the first year, especially sure. in the food industry. Sure. So, um, you know, people are thinking, what makes her business tick? Well, it's me. Yeah, you know, 100%. because you could have the same food and the same. Yeah, thing. you can copy. You can cut. You can copy recipes. You can copy ingredients, but yeah. you can't copy people. Yeah, that's just the fact. So I just want to go back because I know listeners are going to go, Mark, what happened next? We're sitting <laughs> on the end of our seat. Okay. She's taking a year something. <laughs> so just to kind of like, I guess, like a bottom line version, you then start researching. You yeah. realize that there's actually they. Hey, there's, there isn't this thing that's happening that's being. But also, I it was some. It's so. It's really different working for someone and being um, sort of working to their time schedule, and you know you have to ask for time mm -hmm. off, and then suddenly when you have all this time. Yeah. And I remember <laughs> Warren saying to me when he has human beings, when we have an abundance of time and money, we squander it. Yeah. 100%. And actually, when we have less time, have yep. you noticed when you have less time, yes. you're more resourceful? Yeah, and you do it. Yeah. If I gave you 24 hours to yeah. come up with this, you'd get, you'd do it. If yeah. I gave you six months, you'd do it the 24 yeah. hours before. Exactly. Yeah. So I caught up on sleep and then my waistline started to get bigger <laughs> and bigger. And it, but I found it liberating. Yeah. Not because I was, I had a personal trainer. Yeah. I was rushing. So I quite enjoyed having no timelines. Mm. But then I found it hard to create the yeah. timeline. It's really people think it's so easy to run a business mm -mm. it isn't you have to drive yourself you're going to be your boss you can easily sit and watch a couple of movies on sky or whatever it's that was the biggest done. misconception i had when before i before yeah. i quit my job start my business i thought when i have my own business i'm going to be waking up at 6 a.m going to the gym going to do this could do so much things i can't do now and it's been the hardest thing to be disciplined and to find like a way for you to hold yourself accountable because like, exactly you said, you've got to be your own manager, your leader, the entrepreneur, the accountant, Motivator. the HR. The yeah, yeah, everything, everything. Yeah, yeah, 100%. But I think also it's great. I, I read a lot of books on entrepreneurs and I do a lot of neuro, but I love neuroscience yeah. books. Yeah. And I realize that you've got to find, it takes a long time that you've just got to be confident with your own pace. Mm -hmm. And yes, I, uh, some people wake up four o'clock in the morning. Good for them. Uh, um, <laughs> you know, great for them. Um, but um, 
I've just tried. I don't know. I've just shut, shut a lot of no noise off and yeah. just thought, okay, what feels right for me? Mm-hmm. You know, so I wake up in the morning. People say you should do your creativeness in the morning. And I know I have to get my admin. I've got to pay my staff. Yeah. I've got to check all my invoices <laughs> being paid. I've got to do that. Yeah. That's the first thing I do on yeah, Monday yeah. morning. Then I don't look at the bank sure. and I don't look at the fees and whatever after that. And then I start to think, okay, what do I need to do during the week? Mm. Um, but anyway, going back to yeah. the, the year, then I just started to, I, I, I painted my house. I started <laughs> to, I did all the things I wanted to do. And uh, I this is what, you, what, what year is this, by the way? 2012. 2012, yeah, because th- that's when the year that you yeah, set up. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. cool. So, but it takes time. You know, I, I love that HSBC ad where it says it takes many nights to become an overnight success. Yeah, that's a, um, the, I think one of the first one who said it was a Biz Stone. Yeah. One of the co-founders of Twitter said yeah. it, it took me 14 years to become an overnight success. Or yeah, like that. yeah, exactly. And so, but people don't realize the quiet hustle that happens, mm. but there's a lot of work. And then it's, um, do, can I do this? I remember I was offered, I was headhunted for a role and I went for the role. And then obviously they went to, um, my old firm to get a refer- reference and I get an email from Warren don't think about it kid full stop which is most, <laughs> of, most of his sentences are on one, one line anyway meaning like shut the door yeah. have the balls to do this yeah. so I thought I could work money to Friday do this on the weekend yeah. no that's when were I you afraid was it was there something that you was, was there a part of you that was like oh it, fear it, holds you back yeah. I, I think this is the year where I've actually thrown fear away even up to next year and I'll, uh, last year mm. Fear makes us do things we don't want to do. We become miserable. Mm. You might make a ton of money out of it, but mm. fear holds you back. And then you just think, okay, I've got a parachute. I might lose my house in the process or whatever. I've still got my mum and dad. I can go and live in. Mm. So actually, that's my parachute. Okay. I'm not going to be homeless. I'm gonna. I'm quite, I've got, I've got a good structure. So mm-hmm. come on, Simon, let's just do this. Mm-hmm. And then I stopped looking back and just just started moving forward came with my own branding it was just my squiggle the Hampstead kitchen yeah. and I just it was, it, the P is too long and I, d- I just committed to the first thing mm. that's my life I don't redo mm. stuff I thought yeah that looks okay oh no the end could have been no that's it Doesn't fine matter. I may I did it all myself yeah I decided so I looked at the signs around Hampstead they're all black with white writing so why Hampstead I don't know. Uh, Hampstead's changed now, but yeah. when I used to go to Hampstead, for me, it was that I just loved different ages of people mm. walking down the street. Mm-hmm. And it's there's something very magical. There's nothing, there's no place like that around yeah, London. I agree. It's, it's not very contrived. Mm. Um, I mean, I know it's changed now with all the high street chains and mm. stuff, but it really felt like you a little had village. a little village, but mm. you had the elderly you had mm. the older generation you had young generation it just felt like a community yeah and the hamster kitchen i don't know it just felt like it felt old school yeah. old money yeah. you know it wasn't i was never going to call it the knightsbridge kitchen yeah the chelsea, yeah. Ki- chelsea <laughs> kitchen because that evokes another type of kind of clientele yeah and actually incidentally most of my clientele yeah. are not in chelsea and Knightsbridge right. right for a good reason yeah, yeah, yeah. you know i'm um, no offense to anybody no, who lives no, there but you know it's a but I, I, get, I, I get that they I get want that. flashy they want things and they want a name drop that our oh, menu is one thousand pound a head whereas in Hampstead and neighboring areas yeah. 
people like to feed their guests, yeah. you know, and they don't, they're not sitting there telling them how much it costs. No. Okay, they'll say, okay, she worked for Warren sure, Buffett sure. or she cooked for Bradley yeah, Cooper yeah. or whatever. Yeah, yeah. That's cute. Yeah. But nobody ever mentions it on social media. Well, there's, there's also something about Hampstead because I've been living there now for four years. Yeah. And like, <laughs> so we often, you know, bump into quote unquote celebrities, yeah. you know, from... Uh, the Sam Smith, the Ricky Gervais, and all these kind of people. And there's an unspoken rule for people who live in Hampstead, which is don't bother anyone. Like, just let them be. Just say hi, you know, whatever. But when my mum was coming over, she was like, okay, where are we? We're going to see some celebrities. And I'm like, no, no, these are like unicorns. You don't go, like, annoy them and go and speak to people. You know, let's just say... You'll smile at them. You meet Jonathan Ross. You've seen Russell Brand. You just say, hey, how's it going? Yeah. And that's it. You don't say, oh my God, you are... Yeah. Can I take a selfie, you know? But it's... Uh, that's the worst thing you but can that, do. But that, that is something that I enjoy also. You've got like a massive park. There's, it's, it's almost like a village. There's little pubs, like labs and all these kind of boots. It's just, there is a kind of very family, kind of chilled out uh, vibe. It's very down to earth. Yeah. And there's not... And so it is very less pretentious, like 100%. And I, yeah. yeah, and I was inspired. So Philip um, from the Hampstead Butcher, I always, like, I always wanted something with the there mm. or something and something. Mm. So it just, it just feels really old. Yeah. And so uh, the Hampstead Butcher is what it is, but it's so yeah. cute. It's like the local butcher. Yeah. So I thought I wanted to do like, I think the first name I came up with was Just Like Mamas. <laughs> and then I put it out to my friends and they said, oh my God, it looks like I don't want to have my mum's cooking. I'm going to go to my mum's house to have mum's cooking. So I, I pinned that idea. Yeah. But that was the idea behind mm. the business was like, you, you would have a meal just like, you know, like a home cooked meal. Yeah, but it wouldn't, yeah. it wouldn't 100%. brand very well. So no. the Hampson I think kitchen, the Hampson kitchen is much better. I'll, I'll yeah. put it up. So it just came to me one day and just felt right. Yeah. I think everything I've done in my business so far, it just... There's be, it's been impulsive and instinctive and it just felt right and it felt really old school and then I started thinking okay, black with white writing mm-hmm. and then it kind of snowballed and I'm going to have lots of I want to have a black um, you know a blackboard and I'm going to have pomegranates thrown onto it and the original design of my website it's still the, s- you mm-hmm. know, the same mm-hmm. everything has been the most ridiculous story so I was doing Airbnb this guy came to stay in my house he ended up knowing somebody at Google <laughs> and then she and her uh, uh, husband decided, you know um, they were Lithuanian but really clever in design and they helped me design they put my ideas into you mm. know uh, uh, and made it my dream come true mm. And so, um, you know, it's all these people who you've just met, by the way, who have been part of the business. Then another couple um, who came and stayed with me then looked at the UX feeling of my, Mm -hmm. you know, the design was amazing. User experience. User experience. Yeah. 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 (laughs) User experience. And so they were staying with me and they did it all free of charge for me. So the, and then I went to their wedding a couple of years ago. These are all people who've been part of of my journey, journey. The quest, right? Yeah, and so now when they've seen that hamster kitchen has grown, they all feel a big part of it. Yeah. Like we d- didn't, couldn't even imagine that it could be like this. I said, yeah. <laughs> neither did I. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm with you there. But it's crazy, right? Because like fast forward, like I mean, one of the things there's so much stuff I'd love to unpack with you. One of the things is, you know, I came across actually <coughs> the first thing, the first time on Entrepreneur Magazine when they shared your story of getting hit with like was it 125,000 pound tax bill or something yeah. like that because the laws had changed. Yeah, and you Jason got, actually interviewed me for his podcast. Oh as really? Well. Yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah so you got. So smashed with like this tax bill which basically wiped out everything like all all the money that you managed to scrap together i think you had like hundreds of pounds left in your account that is right yeah this, <laughs> yeah, time, this time last year i was not a happy person yeah. so now i think back i've survived it mm-hmm. 
Um, but it was really interesting because when the article came out in print, I had so many men contact me. And what was really sad that some of these people couldn't even tell their spouses that they'd gone through this. Mm. I know that one person actually committed suicide because he couldn't mm. pay for it. So it's not a small thing to deal with. Yeah. You know, tax laws change. And, you know. Because this was unexpected. Is that, is that, unexpected. Is that, yeah. um, people try to dodge it. People try to leave the country. But no one really talked about it. It's a bit like mental health problems. In the bottom line, what, for someone who has no idea what it was, what happened? Because you so left in 2012. Yeah, the banking so, right? but I wasn't in New York. So basically before that, um, a tax law had changed where, and there was targeting certain people who were earning a certain okay, amount. Okay, like a bracket. Right. Like if you're earning a certain bracket, yeah, yeah. then you owe a certain amount. Yeah. Okay. And people have an umbrella scheme. Some are legal, some are in, um, illegal, some had limited mm -hmm. companies. And so the, ba the, you know, the government knew that they could go back five years and... Mm. Something that was legal then, they they said, okay, okay we're going we, we're going to change this law, and anybody who was owning this much and had a limited wow. company and did this, so it's sort of, you know what can you do? Yeah, do you, you know. So oh, I think when I found out, I cried. Yeah, of course. And then I thought, right, suck it up, got to get deal with it. Yeah. So I started looking under the cushions. Yeah. Trying liquidity is an issue. Sure. So obviously, oh. in risk, I know what liquidity, operational oh. risk is, and stuff. So liquidity kills your business. Yeah. I think cash flow is the one that people don't understand when they set up business about. I could, I could, I could look on paper that I'm making 30k or whatever it is, but if your cash flow is non-existent, if your liquidity doesn't exist, how are you supposed to pay bills? My business was yeah. was and is making six figures, yeah. right? Food yeah, business, yeah. that's quite yeah, successful, yeah. right? Yeah, hundred percent. But nobody has that amount of money lying around. No. So then I started. You know, do I sell my flat? Do I do this? Mm. Didn't tell my parents because mm. it's my issue. Got to deal with it. But is it is it shame? Because what we're speaking to, what is it? Is it not is shame? It not, not wanting shame. to burden someone else? No, because you're grown up. This is your problem, mm. and you've got to deal with it. Okay. And my mum and dad are retired. You know, their money is that I want them to enjoy. They worked really but hard. You, you told other people, like your friends, you, you spoke I about it? I told or? my friends initially that I had managed to find £105,000 mm -hmm, mm -hmm. selling this, that, and yeah, yeah. whatever. And um, then a couple of people I started sharing to, not close friends, were gloating. Mm -hmm. oh, your person's gone bankrupt, like something negative. Mm. And that was really interesting that... That was in because it's all been really good up until this point. Mm. I might know the business is a success, but it's the money thing. Uh, so this happened last year. This happened last year. Ah, so I didn't understand in the article. I thought there's something that happened early on in no. your business. I paid it in February last year. Ah, so my gosh. This came. Okay. The, the, the tax I bill came last July, um, wow. 2017. But I actually, it took me that much. Okay. Right, it took me that long to put the money together. Then I was 20k short, sure. and then my friend saw I was so upset. She, a banker friend, she goes, Life is too short, and she doesn't like loaning money yeah. because money comes in the way. Yeah, yeah. We wrote a contract, and she said, You got three years to pay the 20k. I paid the money to her by last <laughs> July. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't, I just lived on lentils. Yeah. I did not go on holiday. Yeah. I just wanted to pay. Were my you touched by, by her gesture? Were you, yeah, I mean, yeah. I still get very emotional talking about sure. it because. Nobody really cares for one another, and you know, yes, she's very well off. But the fact is, I didn't want the money to come between. In between us. I, it's, I've been in the in 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 situation where I've loaned pe money yeah. to people, and the relationship falls apart, sure. and that friend sure. meant the world to me. Yeah. So, I, you know, and also from an Islamic point of yeah. view, when you you actually shouldn't take money from anybody, mm. but if you are desperate, 
when you see them you always say look i haven't forgotten your money because it's about okay. keeping that the relationship the relationship yeah. yeah money does and it does that in families you know you look at in terms of inheritance families break over money let's Money's not such talk a, about yeah <laughs> let's not open that can of worms <laughs> moving on yeah but so, but just 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 to just yeah. to, say, to name one thing is that money's an energy for people and like there's a relationship that you have towards money and there's a daniel Priestley taught me this where one of kind of my partners and businesses is, is um this idea that carry around a thousand pounds in cash in your wallet notice all the emotions that come up from it that will give you a relationship to money so if you're thinking yeah. i'm gonna get mugged i'm gonna get taken advantage of i'm gonna lose it all these fears that come up it amplifies basically like it's one evil of the, yeah. it's evil mm-hmm. um i i've seen money from I've got affluent clients who have ridiculous amounts of money. Okay, they've worked hard mm-hmm. for it. They're in t- that's their money. Then I see people who work for me and also the charities that I work with, how far five pounds goes. Mm. So I, I've got such different yeah. extremes. Sure. And then I have to somehow in the middle find try your own, find your own way. balance. Yeah. That's been my struggle. Mm. Um, so, you know, I kind of had this very glamorous corporate lifestyle then i've gone to <laughs> putting all my money and i started my business winning two thousand pounds yeah all my money in shares yeah because that drives you when you end up having tons of money in your bank account you're not driven to make a business success mm. um there's a lot of people who you know i have a lot of people who are um, very affluent and they have spouses who are affluent and they have a business and their business is not making money after three years because yeah. their livelihood is not dependent on that business being a success. Mm. They just care which magazine got featured in, which <laughs> department that is. So they that's a different it's a different yeah. That's something you can show off about that got my it. product is um, that's different but when yeah. your livelihood how you live how you eat and other people are dependent right because you've got like so a hundred plus people now freelancers kind of working we now whittle it to because of Brexit a lot okay. of people are starting to go back home unfortunately mm. so you know I have about 92 people okay. working for me um, fr- freelance yeah. so these people work hard some of them have got three or four jobs in a week yeah. right that was my first thing how I'm going to pay my staff, sure. right? I need to have this much money. I need to I need to start having the. Uh, and I started saying yes to every type of mm. event coming through. I had no filter. When was this? Last year. Okay. So it made me, then you start cooking for people that you don't. And your gut feeling, right? Because there's a big my thing My gut feeling is always on yeah, point. And yeah. I just knew it's just hard work. Just like, you know, you don't enjoy talking to the people. They're being mm. quite rude. But you got to do it for your team, mm. and then when you do it, when you're on the actual day, you're so drained. Mm. And so the whole year, like you know, when you do it, when in the beginning of the year, you look at your the year, but ha- the the year before, mm-hmm. I can't remember anything up until September. Mm. Just just grinding, the grinding, 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 grinding. And I was miserable. I wasn't eating properly. Mm. I was putting on so much weight. I was just really, really miserable. Yeah. But I knew I had to do it. Sucked it up. Paid off my friend, and then September it was like my spring i came alive i thought oh where have i been and right this is what we're gonna do but first thing i did was go on a little break mm. went with my my friend has a place in greece i went there and I, I sat there and thought about if i didn't have to worry about anything right now mm. what would i do and mm-hmm. i put that put those objectives and i came back with such a different vigor and i started streamlining my clients streamlining my business putting money away yeah. and da, da, da okay, this happened, what could happen in the future? I've got to think about liquidity. I've got to have this money mm-hmm. to the site, looking at how I was living and what I was spending my money on and sold, I mean, sold a few things. I sold a lot of jewelry, mm-hmm. 
I just was looking at where the money was going. I felt like I had a handle on my life. And then I realized that it was, you know, it's all been about the business and the people who work for me and the charities. And I got lost somewhere along the way. Yourself, you mean? Yeah. Yeah. And it was a bit of self-love. You know, I remember going to a refugee camp in 2016. I couldn't process what you see on TV and what you see there. I couldn't process. And I just couldn't understand what was going on. My hair was so itchy and it was, I hadn't eaten for two days. Mm. I just got a scissor and cut. I've got really long hair. I cut my hair off. But when I cut my hair off, I it didn't feel like it, I was Simon again. So I've been on an emotional mm. journey. People yeah. don't, this is the thing, people don't share that part sure. of the business, but you know, you are your business. And we all go yeah, through yeah. it. Because that's how we connect. We connected on the TEDx talk, I think, right? I think yeah. you saw the TEDx talk. Yeah. And we, we got introduced by uh, by LLS Cafe uh, Superstars. Yeah. And, and it was that, that journey is not spoken to about enough. The reality of like the behind the scenes of the glamour of Instagram posts, of the beautiful curated photos that we put out. Yeah. The actual hardship that comes with running a business, trying to put yourself out there, trying to do something different. It made me fall out of Instagram for a while. Yeah. So I didn't feel the pressure to create content and mm. oh, pressurize and follow us. So like, okay, if I do get the followers, then what? Am I doing a book deal? No. I've been asked mm. and I thought, no. Because I'm a businesswoman. I said, I need to make money. So mm. what do I do? Oh, should I do recipes? But how does that translate into more money? So then I, I put, I, I look at my objective about how to be successful mm -hmm. and think about what am I doing? What would I? And it's almost like, oh, these people are doing this. I should be doing this. There's pressure yeah. to do it. I got off that treadmill yeah. and thought, okay, what, what do, do I do? want? And the, qu the what it came to is like you need to take care of yourself. Yeah. And that's what I did. Yeah. And the moment I've done that, I was able to look at the clarity of my mm. business and streamline things. And I can't. And now I'm just just being, I'm just so much happier than I was last year. Mm. Like my team have seen it, and I, we're working less, mm. more smart. But you went through a storm, you know. Like it sounds like you went like through a bit of a storm, and you get caught up in the but eye of the we storm. All, we all go yeah. through it, but no. Yeah, and yeah. I, I've started to become a bit more vulnerable about mm. it. But people sometimes take vulnerability as a sign of being weak or being a failure. I don't think I don't think the taxing wasn't a failure. It was mm. something that happened. Tested. And you're yeah, yeah we're all tested in mm. different ways, emotionally, financially, physically. Um you 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 realise who your friends are. I've made so many beautiful new friends and I, I have some really amazing friends who also are being tested in different ways and you know, I have that support network mm. now, you know, where people will just say, are you okay? Do you need anything? And I, I hope I'm the same for them as well. Yeah. Like, you know, I'm feeling really down. Okay, a friend of mine bought a new sofa recently <laughs> and like, let's go and buy some cushions. So I find such joy in yeah. such m small things sure. now. Because I think when you've gone through something like that, yeah. you, you begin, I mean, even yesterday, I just sat on my couch like a couch, couch potato, potato day and <laughs> I, I d usually I would feel guilty about it yeah. oh my god I should be doing something yeah. I, I didn't I just thought I owe this to myself yeah you know we work really hard yeah people don't see that side of things yeah. I mean I've seen how you've set up this thing today it's not just getting <laughs> on the mic and talking there's a lot of yeah we have to get, uh, align our schedules mm. we have to be very clear what we want to talk about but there's a lot of work that happens behind mm -hmm. the scene you know yeah. people don't appreciate it and there's, uh, there, and there's something like also that I think we both kind of we were talking a bit a little bit off mic, which was around this idea that a lot of people have this perception of what running a business is. Or like what this idea is. Like I set up an Instagram account. I have a few kind of T-shirts made. 
Everybody wants to be an entrepreneur. Yeah. <laughs> and you, get, you should go and bumble yeah. a business. Yeah. That's a classic. Yeah. I sometimes go there to network with people. Yeah. I'm an entrepreneur. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, really, what's your business? It's just nothing. Yeah. And, you know, it's just a sexy word. It's yeah. not a sexy word. No, it's it's yeah. really hard. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. In <laughs> French, entrepreneur comes the word entreprendre, which means to do. So it's basically like what you're just doing all the time. <laughs> it's like you're just doing stuff. But one of the things I heard you say, which I thought was really cool, and I've been trying to bang on about this for ages, is that your website within three seconds conveys what you do, what the experience is, like what to expect in three seconds. It's like someone like, and I think I heard, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think you said you had to identify these two different kind of characters, 40-year-old males and then the families in their 50s plus, right? That's right. And eighty-five percent in Hampstead, kind yeah. of area. Yeah, yeah. That, that that's a really because obviously look at the way I, I have friends who work in Google, right? Mm -hmm. And so look at the way we look at websites. Mm -hmm. It has to load quickly. Mm -hmm. It has to appeal to you visually, mm -hmm. even before you read the words. Mm -hmm. There's a so photo of you standing there. I think, if I'm not mistaken, I was checking this morning on my phone. There's a photo of you in this beautiful kind of attire, kind of like a chef kind of attire. And then the, there's, a, there's a room with an experience and people are sitting down and there's smiles. And within a second, my, my, my brain, without even reading the words, goes, oh, there's something about food, something about experience, something about this person. Yeah. yeah. You know, I don't want to say we just create food. We're creating no, a dining yeah. experience, right? And so that actual picture was taken in Regent's um, Park. Mm -hmm. at one of my clients who randomly she found me on some street view uh, thing and she ended up being such an amazing client through her i've got so much work and i got into the whole wpo ypo world mm -hmm. of all these successful billionaires around the mm -hmm. world right who would have thought yeah. and it's about being open and saying yes to things that you just don't know where that journey takes you and so i said could i feature could i come to your house and have someone take a picture and you just have a normal dinner party. But rather than focusing on the pictures I was supposed to take, I was just thinking, I've got to feed these people. <laughs> you see what I mean? <laughs> I can't do a photo shoot in my yeah. house because I'm thinking, I'm going to cook all this food. It's going to go to waste. I'm yeah. going to have to go call my friends. Yeah. And then yeah. I can't, I can't make food just for Instagram. Yeah. It has to be for people. Purpose, yeah. You know, so. Food, food of purpose. Yeah, so that, that picture was like, what can I do that would ex explain the word curate? Mm. Um, and I thought, okay, it would be me, but it would have to be the client and it had to be, but you're not pinpointing on the food. It's sure. like, it's an experience. Yeah, it's an experience, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it took you ages to come up with that sentence, right? Curating uh, creative, yeah. like, yeah. Yeah, because I, I think I remember when my website was like food with style, food designed, and I just thought, because I, I didn't think too much mm. of it. But then later on, when we realized who we were cooking for, who our clients were, and I said curated was a beautiful word because mm. it is curate. Mm. You know, mm. it is curate, whether it's simple or ornate or formal or casual, yeah. it is curate. It's intentional. Yeah. Yeah. And it's an experience because yeah. the people we want to cook for have a good memory. And there's obviously people who don't get it and yeah. it's fine. Yeah. Um, you know, it's fine. Oh, the, the guavas weren't ripe enough. And I'm like, <laughs> well, I'm sorry, it's not seasonal. <laughs> <laughs> You should go to Marks and Spencer's. I like Marks and Spencer don't do seasonal fruit. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
to yeah um, you know but there's the, there's people like that but yeah there's, there's also something it. interesting I, th- I was wondering about a challenge that your business has and i guess it's also why your business is success, successful is that it, you're able to be discreet you're able to be able to be the kind of person who goes around in different houses meet these different kind of people not take selfies without <laughs> taking selfies yeah and you've also got this i guess i, I was just really curious from a personal perspective for this the challenge around i've got this business that i, I kind of do this amazing dining experience for people who i can't talk about and so how how do you, is it word of mouth is that or, or what's so the kind of basically um i learned this lesson very early on in the business mm-hmm. i cooked for a middle eastern king mm-hmm. and um i remember um you know you have ndas and stuff and say you can't take pictures and stuff and sure. it's fine yeah um and you know I, i'm sure if i mention all that stuff on instagram i'd get more work but mm. more work from who exactly um it would be the new money who i don't really want to cook for mm. i'm not being judgy but that's just not my clientele mm. it's is a clientele from other companies but mm. not mine so i remember getting a japanese chef to cook for this guy and he has a very specific type of table so this japanese guy took a picture of the sushi on this table and obviously the pa of the guy was looking and within five minutes, told the guy to take the picture off. Within five minutes. Oh, he put it on his... Instagram, okay. right? And then the PA calls me and said, you know what, we're not going to work with him again because he shared that picture. Um, and I told the guy, this was a really big client. You've made me look stupid. Mm. And the lesson I learned from that is like, people are paying attention. I have some mm. really well-known celebrities following yeah. me. Um, under pseudonyms mm. and then they've told me but what mm. people want to know is like I've called you to my house Are you, have you shared it online mm. or not you know and yeah. a Bollywood actress actually came into town this weekend and I'd cooked for her wedding and her wedding was like the wedding mm. uh, in you know uh, in India sure. and I had gone and done uh, like a, a one evening that was it didn't even tell my friends or whatever and um she really appreciated that. You know, she yeah. had so much security, but she came into town. She goes, do you have any flexibility this week? And she wanted us to cook on a Saturday. And, yeah. you know, so like I can deliver some food to you, but I can't, I can't come myself. Yeah. People respect you and then recommend you to I other people. I think that's right. Yeah. Because they know that you're not going to post you're trustworthy. on Instagram. Yeah. Trustworthy. They can rely. And I, and I think that's that's also, yeah. I mean, I It would be nice to take a picture. But then what does that picture? I but actually yeah, for don't. For who? I, I love that. Yeah. So y- whenever you do something, think like I, if you ask my mother, she always wants to take pictures of me and I start poking up my tongue. I hate <laughs> pictures. My brother's wedding, Asian weddings, you know, you always, there's tons of photographs sitting like a stroppy teenager. So yeah. I actually don't like pictures of myself yeah. not because i'm vain or whatever just not the picture taking kind mm. of person and so i have a memory whether you believe it or someone doesn't believe it i don't really care yeah. i don't need proof to show to you because then what's the what's the end goal you know i love that i get asked to cook for people who trust me in mm. their home you know i've mm. gone and cooked in kensington palace I knew when Meghan and Harry were going out before mm. even the press knew, you know, mm. and they were making me sign and I wouldn't even tell my mum and dad, I didn't mm. even put where I was going cooking in the White House and, you know, everything you had know, to be like a locker. secret agent, like, you know, like the secret agent of food. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, but it's like, it's not about followers or being famous. Yeah. I mean, I cook for well-known people, mm. but I'm not really well-known myself, you know. Well, I think it's also what's really interesting is that the way it started kind of infused <laughs> the rest of your business 
you know it set the tone yeah it set the I tone i think that's right I, th- I think that's right i think i think it you know one of the things i really want to kind of also convey and i want to i want to sort of you know pick your brain about is people who are out there who are starting a business right and they feel like they have to serve everyone and anyone and they have to say yes to everything what is it that you want to tell them about the actual gift that happens when you start saying no to certain clients and saying yes to certain clients I think what happens is, because now I've got this branding consulting side mm. of the business, and so what I think is people say, I want to be like her, I want to do this. I think that's the f- that's the thing you've got to d- stop doing is mm. I don't even look on Instagram at you know somebody who's got a catering business and what mm. they're doing because then that influences. You start to yeah. um, spiral control, you start to second-guess yourself, and so what's really good about you gets lost because mm. then you start doing a bit of that and a bit of this, and then your unique voice is mm-hmm. gone. So I tell the people, Instagram for me um, sometimes is evil. Sometimes mm-hmm. it's great. Mm-hmm. Like this week, I've met two people from Instagram who recognize me straight away and have become really good friends. So it's great when mm-hmm. it works. Um, so you have to be really clear about. And so I guess it's from my project background where when you have a project, you have your objectives. So that when, you know, let's just say someone comes and said, oh, this is this should be changed and you have to go back to the objective. It doesn't fit into the objective. So this is not, this is, it's going back. To, I mean, I have a laminate on my wall that what are the, th- what's the thing that makes Hamster Kitchen unique? Mm. It's very, very simple. Mm. We want to make food that crosses different borders. We're not going to, we're not saying we're traditional. We're mm-hmm. not saying we're authentic. We make food that has greek dishes and persian dishes mm-hmm. colorful per- by season that people want to uh, you know f- we want to cook for people who enjoy bringing their friends and family together we're doing an event next week for a guy whose his friends are flying all over the world they've been to the best restaurants so it's like what can i cook and mm. so i know which regions they're from so i'm going to have a dish from each region <laughs> and i'm going to tell the story that will make them mm. connect to the food thing. That's what I can do. It's only eight people. Mm. So you've got to really make it meaningful. And it has What to brings you joy about seeing people interact and connect with food? I like it when they try something really simple. We, like we have a dip called the Obama dip. So simple. <laughs> Spinach, garlic, <laughs> onions, and, um, and yogurt with rose petals and, and a little bit of dill. And I love how people just eat that and think oh my god what the hell is this yeah. or our slow cooked lamb mm-hmm. people love our lamb mm. yeah, it's free range organic is good premium lamb so people enjoy it but mm. i love that it's so simple actually it's just lamb and it's mm. a yogurt dip but they enjoy it yeah you know um but no i like the whole when i when i think that people are not showing up and they're really trying to feed and they're going for seconds and thirds <laughs> and make sure there's leftovers and they're fighting over the leftover that leftovers then you, c- you come away feeling really happy that they've really yeah connected with the food yeah. and understood what I, what I yeah. was doing. Food is food. It's there to be enjoyed and shared yeah. and finished. You know, that's, that's how I, how sure. I see it. Um, Do you take time to connect with your, with your kind of people and share food around the table with like, we do. Um, we'll g- I, like, I don't want to have anything Persian. Don't want to have anything <laughs> Middle Eastern. Can we do Chinese? <laughs> but we tend to have really simple. So in yeah. the kitchen, um, like if we're working in an outdoor event, we'll, we'll end up going and having like a pad thai or yeah. something completely yeah. different sure. from that. What's different smells. Yeah. But I'll often have friends over 
yeah. and we'll cook. And so like so South Asian food is something I didn't cook for the mm-hmm. business. I want to keep that sacred for mm. friends and family. So then yeah. like a biryani yeah. or like ch- chicken karhai, I want to just, that's for my mum and dad yeah. and that's for my friends and family. Yeah. So this, yeah, I you gotta you got to have these little pockets. So going back to what you were saying about knowing who you want to cook mm. for, I mean, there's no guarantee this business is going to be a success. Mm. But I wanted to try so that when I'm 90 years old, I look back and think, you know, I was total badass to <laughs> have tried this, <laughs> but give my best. Um, you know, that's all you can do. But, you know, you have to keep on evolving with the business. But I don't think, oh, I've got to worry about my followers. I've got to worry about this because you've got to think, OK, but what am I doing? I'm a I'm in hospitality. I run a catering business. I'm not a deli or a cafe. I'm not a doing a book or a writer. So I don't have to be doing these things. Mm-hmm. And you just have to shut the noise off. Mm. Where people go wrong is they look at, she's doing this and they think it's easy. I need to do it, yeah. It's easy and I can do the same thing. And then they start becoming, wanting to be, I, I have so many people wanting to meet for coffee. Oh, I'm, I'm starting my own <laughs> business and I love to help people. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. I think it's really important in business to help other people. Sure. You know what? I get Pay a lot forward, of joy right? for that. Yeah. But majority of people want to meet me think, how did you do it? Mm. How do you do it? Because if I do that, then mm. I'm going to me, give me the Give me the roadmap. No. Give me the recipe. No, you're no not going to meet Warren yeah. Buffett. You're not going to do this. Yeah. So my story is going to be my story. Yeah. You create your own story. That's when I started doing the branding thing. Mm. So I was Are you enjoying that? Like it, you're having a bit of fun I with that? I love it. <laughs> I love it. And I think I'm really good at it as well because... Um, I understand the branding in order to attract the... So base, if you're a cafe or a deli, you look at the location, look at the jobs that people are doing. So are mm-hmm. they graphic designers? Are they in creative arts? What kind of food are they going to have? Are they vegans mm. and whatever? You know, are they vegetarian? Mm-hmm. Are they meat eaters? Mm-hmm. And you have to create your menu according to your location. People don't. People just think, of oh, this is food that I like and I want in my cafe or my deli mm. or my restaurant. But look at the people, like we're opening one in Wall Street, a, a restaurant there, like a street food restaurant there. So you're going to attract the guy who's going to be post-gym workout. Mm-hmm. The lunchtime, obviously, Quick salad grab, kind of post-gym workout. And in the evening, he's a guy who doesn't want Deliveroo and Takeaway. He mm. wants something, he wants a nice piece of lamb mm. or chicken, but he wants it to be you know, healthy and he might do a naughty treat. <laughs> so the whole menu is designed around yeah. the people who are around that thing. Mm. Uh, that area mm-hmm. so which is people people don't tend to t- think that yeah. you know so i love the branding side of it and also then all the other time waste and there's plenty of them in my life as well they just send you messages sure. i said there's a one day immersion workshop to you know it's like a little one day incubator sure. to see if your idea is really good sure. i'll tell you how much money you would need and yeah. do a business plan and whatever and then you don't hear from them because one they don't want to spend the money <laughs> to do that so that means that you're not serious yeah Right. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I've met some pretty amazing business women who are in, you know, I um, who I collaborated with, and you know, they actually have proper branding businesses, mm. you know, and they've also given me a lot of advice um, how to put value to your time. Mm. So while you want to help everybody, you know, I yeah. want to help the right people who are serious about doing yeah. their business, you yeah. know, and. Every Tom and Dick Harry wants to have a cupcake shop <laughs> and a coffee shop and your brain wants to switch off and you try and give them respect. And so I can't, I'm, I'm not rude enough to put the phone down on people. So I listened to them. I said, I think you should read a couple of books and be really be serious about it because it's not, you know, it's you not sh- an easy task. You should just have, you know what you should do? You should just have like a resource somewhere hidden on your website <laughs> or like a page, you know, 
simonrecommends.com and like just have like a few of the books that you recommend people a few like you know and then start with that and then if you want to go further then we'll do the immersion kind of branding day i I mean i am not i'm not one of these people who are so caught up in myself i mean my friends who know me know i'm not like that but oh my god i love you so much i want to meet you and let's have coffee and i want to cook for you i'm like whoa (laughs) i want to have my couch potato day and then they get really annoyed you know like "Mm, you know um like there has to be a value associated to my time friends and family okay i will help them out even with that i'm measured in Mm. how much i want to help you know because i think time is more valuable than money in 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 my life for Mm. sure Mm. and so now i think anyone who gets to a certain point actually talking about warren buffet i think i saw a video of him and who was maybe it was bill gates i forgot he was being interviewed with and they actually showed his genuine calendar like he took out his diary whatever you want to call it and it was empty yeah like empty because you you know your diary i i but he was basically saying that he he like it to for him i don't know how real that was but it was for him to schedule something yeah there used to be something very like drastically important for it to be scheduled but my my schedule's in my head ingrained i know exactly Mm. you know i've just started getting myself um you know in a fit in the fitness way um uh, I know I need to get out of the house at six o'clock and but I like to have an empty space where I can kind of dictate what happens and that yeah. that I'm still busy but I'm busy doing you know things that are important I put my rocks in yeah but I've it's been like weeks since I've got to put things in my diary mm. and I think that's when you know that you you know how to prioritize stuff sure. without putting things down okay like a meeting like what we're having today we have to schedule it because you've got meetings mm. i've got meetings um but the everyday stuff you yeah. can just do he plays 15 hours of bridge yeah so he calculates in his head i'd played eight hours already so i need to you know do you know um seven more hours yeah. so then he thinks uh, if i do three tomorrow i'll do four over the weekend yeah he doesn't need to write yeah, it down, yeah, yeah. you know. Enough. So these are people who are inspiring to me, yep. you know. So I've been given a right kick up the backside <laughs> about focusing what on would, what my would you health. Say, what would you say is, because we're coming to the end of the interview and I'm just yeah. realizing like, oh, there's so much work I can unpack, but, you know, it'll be for another time. Yeah. Um, for someone who's kind of, you know, you've, 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 you've managed to create food experiences for a vast, diverse group of people from all backgrounds and, and, and wealth and so forth. What is one thing you've learned about people in the process? Oh, I don't know. Whatever walk of life you belong from, food is such an important part of your day. Um, Some people are unfortunate enough to only have one great meal Mm. a day or one great meal a week. Mm. Um, But I would say to people is like, we're all in such a rush right now and that we need to, it's kind of going back to old fashioned values, old Mm. school. And those Mm. are my kind of clientele (laughs) where you come together and you enjoy food and you could do that. There's various organization who do some amazing things around food. So during Ramadan, Mm there's the Ramadan tent project that feeds about 300, 400 people every night Mm. for 30 days. Everybody's welcome, different race, color, religions. Even if you're an atheist, you can mm. come <laughs> along and you're sharing food and you're, you don't know who you're sitting next to. You could be sitting next to someone who's homeless. Mm. And so food for me, it's not just like, oh my God, I'm such a foodie. I like this restaurant. Food, I think, is a great way. It's when you kind of submit yourself and you're your real self. 
Mm. You know, when you sit around, you can tell people who, oh, I don't eat olive oil, I don't do this. And it's <laughs> like they're, they're insecure and they yeah. see other people enjoying and getting into yeah. it. It makes them feel... Actually, that's when you really... Around the dinner table, you see what people are really <laughs> like because there's nowhere to hide. And there's all this kind of like, I don't, I don't do carbs, I don't do, I don't do I'm, I'm, you know, I'm a vegan, but you're yeah. a vegan eating fish, you know, what's that about? So <laughs> there's all these projections and yeah, it's all Labels coming and, yeah. So it's all coming from a place you're trying to be something you're not. Mm. And that's the same in business. People are trying to run before they can walk. Mm-hmm. You know, they're measuring against people who've had a different background to you. Mm. Stop looking at what other people are doing unless you want to be inspired by them. Mm. Um, but I think food can teach us a lot. When you go to the village, it's so primal. It's so authentic and organic. No one's there to impress you. They might kill a goat for you or kill a chicken. And that's an honor because they only do that for special mm. guests. So food is a way of expressing love. I was about to say love. Yeah, It is love. love. I know, that's the word came you know, um, and I have this in one of my bags that food and love is one of the w- is one of life's greatest indulgence. Mm. And I think there's a lack of both of them right mm. now in our society. You know, I hate eating on my own. It's my pet hate. <laughs> so I try if I'm cooking for something, I always want I, I have a lovely network of friends. Mm-hmm. I can always call them over. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm very fortunate, but that's because it's important to mm. me. I was brought up with those kind of mm-hmm. values, values of yeah. food, of eating together, you know. Yeah. And my like my brother and my sister-in-law have carried on those values. Like last Sunday, we had a lovely lunch together with the kids and their kids love sitting together around, like, you know. So it's what you pass on to your generation. So sure. for the people that I cook for, I want them to have a lovely memory when I leave. I don't want to be transactional. Yeah. And last year I had to do a lot of transactional dinners and lunches and I hated it. I just didn't feel like myself. Mm. I really disconnected with my business. I got to a point where I wanted to run away from it. Yeah. When you service the wrong kind of people mm. who are not aligned to your business values or your personal values, you fall out of, uh, fall out of love with your own business. And I'm falling back into love with my business. And why did I set this up? And what do I really enjoy doing? And I thought, right, you know what? Let's just stop doing the first. I'm now working less hours. Mm-hmm. And focused on um, really making sure um, that I cook for the people who are going to enjoy the experience mm-hmm. and see the value in it. So we're now I'm doing a lot of stuff for more corporate men who love the banker to food story. They, it really resonates mm-hmm. with them. And they always donate. So when I tell them about the people who are working in my, in my mm. organization, um, you know, it, it, it sort of resonates and I get like a lot of donations mm. just by talking about it. So mm. I also feel like, you know, they, they, those sort of events go far, far yeah. uh, But again, longer. I think, it's c- again, you know, it's like even just sitting across you and hearing you talk about mm. it, there's something very enrolling. You know, there's something very engaging in the way that because it's because you feel like it's real. I think especially in today's world, I think there's there's a. There's a I thirst so. for truth. Yeah. You know, there's, I think, I think uh, we're gagging for truth for more people to be aligned with who they are and who they say they are, what they do and what they say they do. And so when you talk about, you know, I think I've even heard your read somewhere say that you, I don't know if you still do, but you used to cook at least Sunday warm meals for Grenfell Tower. Um, you know, that might be the only warm meal they have all week. You know, when you hear you say these things, you kind of go, oh, how can I help? How can I come? And you said, you know, time's a great way of, 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 helping out sometimes time can be the best thing you can do whether it's sitting with someone to hear them share their story play a bit of football what have you um but people listening how can they get involved and, and help if they want to 
uh, be able to to take part in some way and, and help out or, or contribute or, or whatever? What, what's something that you can people... You see, there's lots of things that are on your doorstep. On, our, on my row, there's a few old ladies. Um, I have to eat some of their lovely Victoria sponge, you know, sugary buttercream cakes because sometimes the wash, you know, go and do their shopping for them or whatever, washing. I think it's just... I think it's opening your eyes and just talking to people in your community. Like the other day, we saw this guy who was really lost. I thought he's got Alzheimer's or dementia. Mm. And basically what it was, he was worried about this poor dog that was stuck in the car for over two hours. He was standing there for two hours waiting for the owner to come back and you could see the dog was distressed. But this man wasn't English speaking. He was, I think, Eastern European, mm -hmm. but he was so stressed mm. about this dog. So we called the NSPC, the police, told them they registered the car and they said, we'll be here in half an hour. Then I get a call from the police and the lady whose car it was. The actual lady had dementia. She forgot where she'd parked her car. No. But meanwhile, the car had been broken into. The dog had been rescued and given water. This all happened when I was off to a meeting and I saw this guy. I could have chosen to ignore the guy. He couldn't speak English. He couldn't mm -hmm. talk to the police. I'm not saying I'm a savior. What I'm trying to say is that we can all help. I get that. If we just pay attention, if we get off our phones, you <laughs> know, we're up. all walking, walking like this with bad necks and <laughs> it's just about talking. Then I was on the train and the same evening, same day, I was with a friend. And then this guy, we're talking about moving on. He goes, yeah, I've moved on from my divorce and I've done this. I've paid off my debt. And I'm like, yeah, high five. And he <laughs> wanted to celebrate that. It was a random conversation. And I, I don't know. I, I, I think people are very fascinating and food is very fascinating mm. and it's just making time for both of them really yeah that's all Love how it. people can help is just open your eyes and see who you can help out even on your street cool. it might be just a kind word yeah yeah Love that. I've got a couple last questions before I do that. Yep. I want to take a moment to acknowledge you, Simon. <laughs> generally, I think I think you're a really cool human being. I think I love like what you're doing. I love what you're about. I love how what I read online, what I was listening online, is very much what I see in front of me today. It's the same. So I think that's very special. And I think also the fact that you're using food as a medium to connect people is such a powerful medium. I think it's because it it, tra it translates into any language. You know, any any belief, any religion, any sexual orientation, every, any label you want to add, fill the blank, food breaks through that. You know, you, breaking bread, right? was like your menu yeah. or at least, yeah. So thank you. Thank you for doing that. No, I, thank I you. I really want to say that. I really that. enjoyed it. And I'm glad we finally got a chat. time yeah. to sit and chat properly. But I, I hope that's how I've come across, you know. Yeah, 100% is what you are. And, and I've got, you know, all my guests <laughs> go through the same last kind of questions. What's one thing most people don't know about you? That I can be very sensitive and very shy. Mm -hmm. People think that I'm total badass <laughs> and confident, but small things can make me upset, mm. especially like with family and friends. Mm. Little things can make me feel very, um, I'm sensitive. Mm. So as my mother calls me, she calls me a minstrel like from the outside <laughs> and soft in the middle. <laughs> a lot of people don't know that yeah. about me. Um, cool. Yeah. Um, what does being unconventional mean to you? Um, I don't know. I've had a pretty unconventional life, actually, con considering the background I'm from. So I think it's just living my, having the power to live my truth. Definitely having the power to live my truth. So um, I don't know. Just uh, without giving like a really rehearsed answer, <laughs> I would say I always say yes to a lot of things. Mm -hmm. I'm open to a lot of things. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't, yeah, I just don't want to, 
I don't do the cookie cutter type of lifestyle. <laughs> like uh, my life, honestly, compared to a lot of people is very, it's very mm. weird and wonderful at the same time, but it's my life and mm. I love it. So I don't try and emulate somebody else's life. That's yeah. what I think makes you unconventional when you become your own leader. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think. Love that. Yeah. Really cool. The final question, wrapping this up. Uh, Piccadilly Circus, you know, the digital screen boards that yeah. you see on the top. <laughs> Uh, I'm give I can give you that screen board and you can write a message that everybody's going to read as they walk by. What do you want that message to be? I would say feed someone you don't know and mm. um and and um show a bit of love to somebody you didn't know to somebody completely random. Mm. I think there's a two beautiful gifts that we can give to anybody. You know, show, you know, just feed someone. Yeah. And uh uh, show a bit of love to somebody too love it love it and for all the ideal people listening to this who would want to work with you it's at the Hampstead <laughs> Kitchen on Instagram and on the on the website is the thehamsteadkitchen.com um, yeah it's um, uh, my email is feedme mm-hmm. <laughs> It's so good. Yeah, feed me at thehamsterkitchen.com. Yeah, Amazing. but yeah, if you just want to say hi or yeah. if there's anything we can do for you, let us know. Okay. There are any vacancies right now? <laughs> Don't apply for any jobs. <laughs> we'll let you know. They are. <laughs> David, thank you so much for coming My on pleasure. the show. Really genuine pleasure, and uh, we'll have to meet up again at the Liffey so, or Les Cafe. We have and to. I have to feed you now. Yeah, hundred percent. Because we have now bonded. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Okay. Thank you so Take much. Care. Bye. There you have it, folks. I hope you enjoyed today's guest as much as I did. If you did, make sure to let me know over on social media by taking a screenshot of today's episode and tagging me at Mark Roost. And of course, you can find The Hampstead Kitchen at The Hampstead Kitchen. And I so appreciate you for doing this because it really shows that you care and it just lights up my day. So thank you for spreading the word. And as always, if you want to support the show, the best way you can do that is to go over on iTunes to leave a rating and review subscribe and share this conversation with a friend who needs to hear what Simon had to say. And a couple of reminders before I leave you to go roam and wild. <laughs> I'll be opening up the applications to my Impact Accelerator very shortly. So if you want to get first abs at snatching up the places, make sure to join my email list over at www.markdrews.com forward slash newsletter. And if you're a fan of Lewis Howes, he's coming to London on the 27th of March, 2019. And I know for a fact that he'd love to see you there. So tickets are available in the show notes of today's episode. And remember, because you're awesome and are part of the Unconventionalist tribe, you get 10% off the ticket by using the discount code UNCONVENTIONAL, all in caps. Now, I don't know about you, but I was just so blown away by Simon's conversation around, you know, that crazy story when she opened up the door and saw Melinda and Bill Gates. And then what happened next when she ended up going to the charity fundraiser and all, all the who's and who in the world were there. Isn't that great? Just just amazing at what happens when you stop committing to something you're passionate about and has an impact and it's calling you forth to, to really live your purpose. But before I let you guys, I want to say one last thing. Make sure to tune in to next week's episode as we have a very exciting guest back on the show and not just coming on the show, but taking over. But I'll explain a bit more about that next week. Thank you for being here. Thank you for your support. Thank you for being you. And I mean that because the world needs more you to be you. So go out into the world and have the courage to make an impact. Until next time, I'll see you soon.